you have to first go find someone that you know they're going to be your cheerleader no matter what. We all have that one person. And if you think you don't have that one person, go find them. Go do your best to go out there and meet some people, maybe in the entrepreneurial space, put yourself out there that will understand what you want. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chris Harder Show, where we absolutely believe that both prosperity and generosity can and must coexist. Get ready for one of the best episodes ever If you've ever wanted to start your own online business or even find the courage to step away from a job or step out of a business that currently is not serving you, because I am sitting down with the one and only incredibly talented, legendary Amy Porterfield. Now, I can tell you I've gotten to hang out with her lately, and she is as real and as awesome as she is talented at teaching you how to build a business that you absolutely love. And because of that, in this episode that you're about to hear, we have real raw conversations about what it was like when both of us were stepping away from corporate and the fears that we had and what our biggest insecurities were and where we almost sabotaged ourselves. And of course, the tools that we put in place to overcome all of those things. And so she gets real, I get real, all of it in an effort to free you up to take the same kind of step towards financial freedom and fulfillment and purpose that you know that you deserve to take. This episode and her upcoming book, Two Weeks Notice, will probably be some of the most important tools in in you getting onto that rocket ship. And one day looking back and saying, I can't believe how far I've come. Now, most recently, I got to hang out with Amy for three days straight as we masterminded with Brendan Bouchard around a round table. And I came away from that thing saying, oh, my God, other people need access to this exact kind of brainstorming, this exact kind of strategy, this exact kind of idea sharing as a group. There's a very special coordinated way to to bring the magic out so that you leave having totally changed your perspective and your approach with your business, you're not going to believe how effective this is. So I'm putting together a very similar roundtable. And I want very special individuals there that are ready to collaborate, that are ready to grow, that will add just as much value to the room as the room is going to add back to them. Not to mention me and my team are going to focus in on your business and add a lot of strategy and value to it as well. It's two days that'll blow your mind the same way that my mind was blown and Amy's mind was blown when we left Brendan's. If you're interested in seeing if you qualify for that, text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. Again, text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. That's 310 321 
0416. I promise you, it's going to blow your mind and change your business forever. All right, get ready, listen up, take some notes, because Amy is about to change your life with this episode. Hey, Amy, my friend, how are you? Hey there, good. Thanks for having me. You know, it's funny because you're a fellow podcaster. Don't you feel so funny, like having a whole conversation person and be like, hey, my friend, welcome to the show. It feels I know. so funny. Chris and I just like talked about everything in life before we came on. But yeah, it's always so funny. So everyone listening, you know, I guess we do that for your value, but maybe I don't have a better way to open a podcast, to be honest. But nonetheless, that's the real life when you're podcasting from home. So true. Listen, I wanted to start with this. I wanted to actually take you back to a very special moment in your life. I wanted to take you back to June 19th, 2009, when you wrote a very powerful sticky note to yourself. Would you mind sharing what you said on that sticky note that you stuck on your mirror? Yes, I listed the date that I would leave my job. And then the question, what do I need to do today to move me closer to this date? Oh, it's such a good question. Right? It's just every day. What do I need to do today? I learned early on that the commitments we make to ourselves allow us to have self-worth. Like if you're not sticking to your own commitments, that self-worth really suffers. And so I knew I had to stick to that date. So what do I need to do today to move me closer to this date? Do you remember the answer to that? What did you have to do that day? I remember vividly one of the days I decided I was going to get on a call with a girl that was online that had built a business like I wanted. And she had the courses I wanted to sell. She had a cool social media. She was putting herself out there. I wanted a business like this woman online. And so I went to her contact page and I sent her a message and I said, I know you don't offer this, but can I pay you for an hour of your time to just talk about how you built your business? And she said, yes. So while I was still in my nine to five job, the walls were pretty thin and I was scared people would hear me. So at my lunch hour, I got under my desk. I got on my cell phone and I whispered the whole time, like, so how did you create your first product? How much did it cost to get your business up? And she started whispering back to me, which got really weird. But we had that conversation. Like, that's one example of what I needed to do to get me closer to that date. Amy, this is so great that you just described doing that because uh, that brought me back to when when I was running a, a mortgage bank, uh, you know, as a partner in a mortgage bank, that's when Lori and I had kind of started our entrepreneurial journey. And Lori was beginning the fitness journey. And, and we got into network marketing with some supplements that would support that journey. And I remember having to have some conversations with potential customers about those products while I was in my office, supposedly running this mortgage bank. And I remember like whispering and feeling weird than whispering. And so I didn't want to be quiet to them, but I didn't want the people outside (laughs) my office to hear. It's a really funny place to be, isn't it? It is. And I think a lot of people that are leaving their nine to five job, when you decide to leave, you're going to have one foot in and one foot out. And that is a very shaky place to be. But I think there's no way around it. You know, obviously it's given you insane freedom and insane self-worth and, and accolades and, and even a great, you know, financial life, you breaking away from, from corporate America. But what are some surprising gifts that it's given you that you probably, that are, are less obvious? 
I think the relationships, you know, you and I were just in Napa together with some amazing people. And what came out of that trip was to remember how important relationships and friendships are. Like I have more really rich friendships than I ever had when I was in nine to five. I've met people that I would have never, ever had access to before. And I think that's been surprising. I didn't think that my friendships and relationships would become enhanced and enriched just because I had my own business. But that's been a very, beautiful, pleasant surprise. Speaking of the relationships that you have, Mel Robbins, Jenna Kutcher, all of these remarkable human beings that are in the book and and help you with with, with the launch in the whole nine yards. What's the key to building relationships like that? Because of course, everybody listening, like, well, if I had those relationships, you know, I could succeed too, but it doesn't start out that way. No. What I've learned also is that relationships are hard. And One of the things that I have a friend, Jen Hatmaker, she was on my podcast and what she said, because she has beautiful friendships with her girlfriends. And I said, how did you do that? And she said, I had to go first. And I thought, oh, that is such valuable advice. So I have to be the one reaching out. I have to make sure I'm available to them. I have to help them, even though they might not help me. Like a transactional relationship in my early days, I think that's all I knew, to be quite honest. And I don't think I was a really good friend in those early days. What I've learned now is I want to give, even though I don't know if I'm going to get anything in return, or I want to invite people to like, Hey, can I help you with this? Can, do you need anything or check in with people? I have to go first and not ask for anything in return. And that's not always the easiest thing to do, especially when you're an entrepreneur where there's some things that you need or that could really help. If I built a relationship with Jenna or Mel or any of my friends because I wanted something from them, I think they'd see right through it. Yep. And I didn't realize that when I was younger, but I'm realizing that now. So it's a, it's a really important lesson. When do you think that shifted in you? And, and that's really brave of you to admit, by the way, because I feel like when people are just getting started in their journey, like you said, they're so desperate to make it work. They almost yeah. need it to be transactional, but the problem is it can't be. And so yeah. that creates a rub. So when did that shift for you? When did you realize, hey, I'm, I'm being kind of transactional. And how did you break away from that? So it's a hard realization to come to. And when I look back, recently I had a discussion with a friend who kind of pointed it out for me and I I didn't really realize it. But when I looked back, you're right. You hit the word on the head. I was desperate. I was desperate to make it work. I, I was so scared I wouldn't be a good entrepreneur and figure this out. And then also I had very little self-worth in the beginning. I, I was very self-conscious about everything I did and I doubted myself. And and I sometimes I can't believe I'm where I'm at today with so much self-negative talk that I had in the beginning. But I wanted it to work so bad that I was like, what can you do for me? Or what can I get out of this relationship? And so now looking back, it wasn't until recently that I looked back and thought, oof, I I don't really love how I showed up there, but I have to forgive that girl because she was doing the very best she could and she didn't know what she was doing. Like I have to love my younger self, but it's so sometimes hard to kind of look back and think, ooh, I could have been a better person. Yeah, that's, boy, I feel like you're, you're literally in my brain right now where we walked the same journey. The biggest insecurity that I had to get over was perfectionism. Like I would not try something, Amy, if I didn't know I could knock it out of the park. And it cost me a lot of opportunities and it slowed me down in life from hitting my dreams. And, you know, this is probably a a bigger challenge than I even realized at the time. What was your biggest insecurity that you had to get through? Mine was imposter syndrome. Who am I to be doing this? Unpack that. 
My nine to five job, my very last nine to five job was with Tony Robbins. And I was the director of content development. I got to travel the world with the team and work on the content he does, like Unleash the Power Within, Date with Destiny. And so when you come from, or when I came from a job like that, this guy was massive, literally, but also figuratively. And so here I was going out on my own thinking, who am I to be doing this? I'm no Tony Robbins. I've been behind the stage, behind the computer forever. I never went on video. I never put myself out there. I never was my own boss. Like I've always been behind somebody else. So my biggest fear was not, I'm going to, what if I fail? It was, what if I fail and people see? What if oh Tony gosh. Robbins sees me fail? What if my old coworkers see me fail? When I first went out on my own, I did social media for small businesses, very different than what I do today. It was my starter idea, which is something I teach in my book, Two Weeks Notice, how to get your starter idea going. And I did social media and I wanted to start building my audience. So I made a bunch of videos about social media and never posted them anywhere. And one day my husband, Hobie said, you make a lot of videos and I do not see them on YouTube or anywhere else. Where are these videos you're posting? And I said, I'm not posting these videos because I'm scared what Tony Robbins is going to think. I'm scared what my old coworkers will think about me doing this. They're going to say, who is she? She doesn't know that stuff. And my sweet husband said, look, I love you dearly, but I have to give you tough love. Tony Robbins is not watching your videos, nor does he care. <laughs> He's building an empire and your coworkers, they're not paying the bills. Who cares what they think? This, this is not their future. It was like my first lesson in, oh, I think I'm worrying about the wrong things. But yeah, for me, it was imposter syndrome. Go Hobie. What great yeah, advice. He's my rock for sure. He he definitely has words of wisdom every day for me. He really is that rock. Like, you know, I only got to spend one night with him at the wedding that we're all at in New York recently. And that was my first time, you know, obviously meeting him. That's my first time meeting you, actually. It was just Right. Crazy. I feel like I've known you. And I know, our first time. likewise. But Hobie got to stand in line with you to get food. And he came yes. back and he's like, I like that dude. He was like a fan from the start. We bonded over food and wake surfing. But I'll tell you, he, he is like a rock. Like he just has an energy about him. So when he says something, it, it carries weight like that. And I think everybody needs to find that somebody who's going to shake them by the shoulders a little bit and speak life and truth into them. Now, if they don't have a Hobie, and for me, it's Lori, yeah. where would you suggest that they find that partner, that person who's going to help them get over some of these fears? I love that you're asking this question because first of all, I want to back up a little bit. In my book, I talk about when you want to leave a nine to five job, or if you've already left and you're starting your business, be careful who you tell. And in my book, I say, just tell three people. In my case, I told Hobie because I was married to him. I told my mom who thinks I could land on the moon, like she thinks I could do anything and my best friend, but I didn't tell anyone else. And the reason for that is most people cannot hold your dreams. Most people will filter from their fears, their anxiety, their desire to want to maybe leave, but have never done so. So they're going to tell you all the reasons you shouldn't do it. And that is really detrimental to your growth. If you believe them, which most of us in the early days would believe people that told yeah. us it won't work. So be careful who you tell. Now, back to your question, like, who do you rely on? Sometimes it's not your spouse. In my book, I actually write a script of how to talk to a partner that doesn't believe in you, because some husbands and wives and partners are scared for you. They don't want you to leave your job. They want you to still bring in regular income, or they just don't want you hurt. So they're going to tell you not to do it, or let's wait a little bit. And so you got to be careful of that as well. So you have to first go find someone that you know, they're going to be your cheerleader no matter what. We all have that one person. And if 
you think you don't have that one person, go find them. Go do your best to go out there and meet some people, maybe in the entrepreneurial space, put yourself out there that will understand what you want. The reason why Chris and I get into masterminds, why we do community things like that is because we want to be surrounded by people that understand us. Sometimes you've got to look for that. It doesn't come to you. You got to make the effort. Yeah, you really do got to make an effort to assemble the army of people that will reinforce the actions you want to take and the beliefs that you want to believe that are possible. And, you know, negative propaganda will fall in your lap and negative people will appear and, and you're surrounded by it all day, every day. And so to be able to assemble the people who are going to offset all of that, I think it's an absolute key. The fact that you have a script, though, about how to talk to your spouse and, you know, when you're making this big trend. That's the best thing I've ever heard. There was a moment, there was a time when I told Lori, I supported her chasing down her her fitness dreams, but we were starting over financially. So my actions did not reflect it. My actions were hounding her when she would spend too much money on organic chicken and greens. It was hounding her when she'd have to enter another fitness contest and, and book plane tickets and all that stuff. And I was real resistance without realizing it. Mm-hmm. And she didn't have a script to go by, but she sat me down and she said, Chris, you tell me you support this and you want this for us, but your actions are the opposite. And I'm willing to give this up if you tell me to, but dang it, I think I can turn this into something. So are you in or are you out? Ooh, and so that moment good. changed everything for us. I mean, it's that communication. I want to point out like what happened there. She wasn't resentful. She didn't get mad and just didn't tell you why she wasn't mad. She said, look, this is what I'm seeing. And for those of you who are going out on your own or want to create this business and you're not getting the support, it's going to take some hard conversations. Absolutely. But those are worth it. And you didn't realize it. So it was so good that she shared that with you. I'm so glad that you just kind of doubled down on saying, hey, I didn't realize it because I really did want her to succeed. Totally. And I really was excited about the idea, but my actions and my responses were fear-based. And I think that's going to be a lot of significant others yep. when you go to make a big leap like this. They're fearful that there's a mortgage payment. They're fearful yeah. that it may not work out. They're fe- right. And so yes. I just think navigating that is one of the toughest things. And it's so important that you're you're giving the tools for people to navigate that. Absolutely. I love that we talked about that. I think someone listening right now is like, oh, I needed to hear that. It's an important conversation. So let's go back to the idea of a starter business. Um, And I want to frame it in the context of this. Social media does many great things. Mm -hmm. But one of the problems I think that it presents when people are thinking about going out on their own is they think all the ideas that they might start with are already saturated. Or they may think, gosh, everybody out there is making millions doing it. And so when they first dip their toes in it and they don't make the millions, they think that they're somehow a failure. There's a lot of, let's say, misinformation out there about what it looks like to truly start out on your own. So talk to me about this idea of your starter idea, your starter business, and why there's room for it. So it's so important that you don't put all the pressure on yourself that that first thing that you do as an entrepreneur has to be your end-all be-all. I'm going to guess, Chris, that what you're doing today looks dramatically different than when you first went out on your own. Amen. Right? Right? Same with me. I did social media for small businesses. I don't do anything like that now. I don't even teach social media. And so you have to allow yourself just to get started. Action creates clarity. Without getting into action, you're not going to know your next best move. And so in the book, I take people through what I call the sweet spot. And part of the sweet spot to come up with your starter idea. And part of the sweet spot is just honing in on 
Where have you gotten results? What are you good at? What do people ask you about? What comes natural to you? Maybe what you're doing in your business right now, how could that translate into your starter idea? And so once you get out there and you start doing it and making some money with it, you'll know your next best move. So let me give you an example. I did social media for small businesses, hated it for the record. I didn't know I was gonna hate it. I didn't like working one-on-one with customers, but I did it for a good two years. I should have done it less, but I was fearful of changing my business model because I thought that would look like I was fickle or chasing the next shiny thing, but I should have changed it earlier. But finally, I realized I don't like doing this. I don't want to do this anymore. So I created my first digital course. Now, my first digital course was how to teach authors how to do social media and launch their book with social media. I had never been an author in my life. We're 14 years later, I'm an author for the first time. Why did I teach something I didn't know? I had that desperation and I just wanted to be known for something and I needed to make money fast and I was hating what I was doing. And so the power of the pause is important, but I felt that my next best move was this digital course and I made $267. (laughs) I thought, talk about social media, everyone else is making millions on social media. So I thought, so I'm like, I'm going to make at least $100,000 with my first time out. Not even close. I cried for like a week. And so I was devastated, but I did enjoy creating the course. So I thought, let's create another course, but one where I actually have expertise teaching social media. And so that was my next one. And I made $10,000. Then I created another course kind of similar to the first, the second, $30,000. Within a year, I made $950,000 with a digital course in one launch. You would be amazed how much success you can see quickly if you just keep taking action and you say, okay, what's my next best move? And so I say all this to say my starter idea got me to the business I have today, but I allowed myself to evolve and change as I found the pockets of, oh, I like this, or this is going to make me money and impact. Let's go. So you got to allow yourself to have that starter idea. Boy, what I heard in there is that you were willing to take the reps. You were willing to take the at-bats over and over, even if in your perception, the first few were strikeouts, which I want to be clear, they were not. They They felt like it, yeah. But you know, you you set the bar up here and you land down here and you're like, Mm -hmm. dang it, it's not working for me. But you were willing to keep stepping up to the plate and take the reps. And I think that's where people fall short is they'll try it once, maybe they try it twice, but they're not willing to take that that vision of endurance like you did. Yeah, so true. And I just want to be clear, I did it all scared. I was uncomfortable every day. People see me now, and I don't see this, but I hear it in interviews like, Amy, you're so polished. You're so good on video. You know exactly what you want to say. 14 years later, in the beginning, I was scared at every turn. And to be quite honest, I'm launching a book and I've never launched a book in my life. And I feel very uncomfortable most days, but I I know what it feels like because I've done that for so long. So you just got to get into the habit, do the reps, like you said. It's a great muscle to build. And you simplify that perfectly. So Let's talk about, though, this this pull between you're trying a new idea and here you and I are saying you got to give it many reps. You got to give it many reps. But how do you know when it's time to maybe try something else? What Mm -hmm. is that that moment? That's a really great question. So let's say you try something like me and I made $267. Well, I have to take a moment and ask, why did that happen? And I was clear. It was clear to me. One, 
I did not feel comfortable teaching something like that. I was not qualified. But two, I didn't have an email list. And so I didn't have anyone really to market to in a really small social media following. So I had to, you have to dissect. Why do I think, you have to do educated guesses. Why do I think this didn't work? And then from there, then you're going to make your next best move based on the information you collected. Debriefing is important. When I worked for Tony Robbins, one of the coolest things he ever did, I worked in the creative department. So when he went on stage, he did his thing. He'd come off stage and we'd get in a car to take him back to his hotel. And he'd say, okay, let's do a debrief every single time. And he'd ask everyone in the car that was part of the event, what did you think? What did you think? Where was it great? Where could we do better? And then he would download, he would do his debrief. And we would take those notes and we would then bring them to the next time. Okay, here's the things that were great. Here's the things we want to work on. Let's go. The debrief was so important. So I've taken that into my business. What worked, what didn't? And then I go on to the next thing. So how do you know when you need to cut bait and totally change it up? I say you at least try it twice based on your debrief and what you can make better. If that second time, this is still like not working whatsoever, let's try to think of a new way, a different topic, something else. But I like to give it at least two shots. But for me... I knew I couldn't teach social media to authors, so I wasn't going to do another shot with that, but I was still going to do the digital course and around social media. So I took a little of it and then tweaked a lot of it. God, that is so good and so systematic so that people can actually follow that. I love the idea of the debrief. You know, speaking of Tony Robbins, obviously you must have absorbed a lot of really cool things working in, in such close proximity with him. Is there any one specific thing that you took away that you really use today besides the debrief? Yes, this this idea of being resourceful. So Tony always used to say, you don't need more resources. There are plenty of resources for you to have. It's believing that you are resourceful. I can figure anything out. So when I look at how insecure I was in the first few years, when I look at how desperate I was to make this all work, one thing that did keep me moving forward is I might have doubted myself, but there was this other belief, maybe a little quieter, I can figure anything out. I am resourceful. It's like an identity that I just, tried on and kept on this whole time. And so when you think that something's really hard, when it's not working, what the heck are you going to do? Tell yourself, I'm resourceful. I will figure anything out. What do I need to do? What's the next thing I need to do? So that's something that I've really taken with me that he he taught me early on. I love that because it kind of eliminates the excuses. It puts the ownness on us, right? Yes. To become resourceful and, and not take the easy out. But listen, we live in a day and age where the information's out there. Yeah. No matter what you have to figure out to do this, it's out there. And the barrier of entry to attaining that information is typically pretty low. Free podcasts, affordable books, you know, you name it. And so by taking that that view of resourcefulness yeah. instead of worried about the current resources you have, it really does free it up so that anybody can take a shot at this. And that actually that actually brings me to the next thing I wanted to ask you. I can't remember if it was in an interview or if it was in the book. But I remember you saying creating success on your terms is not just for the privileged elite few. It's for anyone. But I know a lot of people, they hear that and they're like, oh, but not me, but not me, but not me. And they may not think they have the resources at the moment or even the resourcefulness to be able to be one of the, the success stories like you are. Yeah. Talk to those individuals. You know, sometimes I don't like to talk about Tony because I'm afraid people will look at me and think, yeah, but you worked for Tony. So this had to have been easier for you. I'm just in a job where it's a like a no-name company I'm working with. I don't have that clout. 
And I want to say, I, I can get that. I can see where that, that name behind my resume could have helped me. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're not interviewing for anything. People aren't saying, oh, you work for Tony Robbins. I'm going to hire you. It doesn't work as well as if I went for another nine to five job. Also, none of them helped me do what I wanted to do. So I just, I want to take myself down to an even playing level with that because I struggled with all the things. The reason I was able to write two weeks notice is because I struggled to build my business in the beginning. And so I do believe that entrepreneurship, building your own business, creating a business by your own design, it is for anyone who wants it. I might have come from a really cool job, but so many of my students have not. And they have made so much money doing amazing things. Let me give you an example. One of my students, Lauren, I love her so much. She lived in a very small town and she was an accountant for this very small company for 15 years. She was a single mom. She had kids at home. She had to pay the bills. And she had been at this company forever that she thought, I need a raise. It has been a long time since I've made more money. She marches into her boss's office and says, I think it's time for a raise. And here's all the reasons why. And they looked at her with blank stares like, uh, what? No, there's no way she was getting a raise. So she didn't quit her job. She had to pay the bills and she had a hobby. She was really good at making wreaths and these wreaths that you hang on your door for all different occasions. And she thought, look, I'm going to take what I know and I'm just going to start making these and sell them on Etsy on the side. I need to bring in a little extra money. I'm really good at this. I'm just going to sell them on Etsy. And she did. And she actually sold a lot of wreaths. And she got really good at Etsy, the nuances of how to sell, how to set up your storefront, what really gets people in the virtual door. She was good at it. And so what happened was, not only did she start making some money, but other women said, how are you doing that? Teach me how to sell on Etsy. Like you are killing it. We want to know. And so she thought, well, all right. So she actually created a digital course teaching other crafters how to sell their stuff on Etsy and other sites like that. She made $100,000. And when she did, she realized, I can leave this nine to five job. I do not need to do this. And so she eventually quit her job, became an entrepreneur. And she says, look, Amy, it's not the easiest thing I've ever done. And there's some really hard days. But when I don't miss the science fair, when I don't miss picking my kids up from school, I remember how good this is. She didn't have a fancy job. She was a single mom in a small town. She didn't get her raise and she changed her future. Those, I have hundreds of those stories. So do not think that because you don't have a, a pedigree of a great job or something, you do not need that. I freaking love success stories about everyday people I know. turning their careers into extraordinary things because it yeah. empowers everybody. It enrolls everybody, right? Like yep. that's somebody who had she asked advice from her coworkers and her bosses and maybe oh. even her significant other, they probably would have said, oh, that's not realistic or that's not possible. Yes. You just stay there and be grateful for your job, you know? Yes, exactly. Be careful yeah. who you tell. Do you have any more success stories? I mean, we could tell I these do. all day long. I share, have share good one. ones. I have another one. Her name is Tara. And she was a teacher in a small Minnesota town. She was a language pathologist. And this is what she said to me. She said, Amy, there's no way I can make more money than the set amount of raises they give teachers every year, which are tiny. So she says, if, if you tell me to go ask for a raise, get a promotion, nothing. So what she decided to do was what a lot of teachers can do and a lot of teachers have done with great success. She started taking the resources in her classroom and putting them on teachers pay teachers. My sister is a second grade teacher. So she uses this site a lot where you can just buy different curriculum from other teachers. Wow. And she did that. 
and she made $50,000. Now imagine $50,000 from someone in a small Minnesota town who is a teacher. I think that's more than she probably was making as a salary. I was going to say, it's probably her equivalent to her salary or more. Yes, exactly. So that was like her first thing. That was her starter idea. But then what happened is she didn't have any other ideas beyond that. She's just like, I'm going to try this. But then she started to build a community of other teachers and they wanted more from her. Tell us how you do this. Show us how you do that. So she did two things. She created a membership site and a digital course and she blew her revenue out of the water. And so her first step was to go part-time. And the last time I talked to her, she went part-time. Now I think she could have quit, but she wasn't ready to. And and my job is not to force people out of their nine to five jobs. So with baby steps, as she believes in herself more and more, she will absolutely quit that job. But her whole life has changed. Imagine how you'd show up in a job when you know you're making $50,000 as a side hustle. You're not going to take any crap. And if things get really bad, you're out of there. That plan B is really powerful. God, that's incredible. You know, you you mentioned courses and you mentioned memberships and all these things and these examples. Now, I know that you are literally the queen of courses, like nobody does it better. But (laughs) are courses the direction everyone should go or should they entertain memberships first or masterminds or books? Give us the hierarchy of what we should be aiming at. I actually believe there's no hierarchy. So yeah, I teach people how to create courses, but I'm going to encourage people to find whatever suits them. So in the book, I talk about different business models from coaching and consulting, which I think is the easiest way to get into entrepreneurship. Start, I like to start start there. Or like I did, I started with a service-based business where I did social media for small businesses. Some of my students, they will be coaches or they will be dog trainers or they build websites. One of my most successful students, she teaches people how to make candy apples. That's what she does. Come Her on. name is Denera. She lives in LA. She has built an empire by teaching people how to make caramel candy apples. So like, it's so crazy, all these different topics, but you can do, like you said, a mastermind. You could do a mastermind for people, group coaching, one-on-one consulting. You can do service, memberships, courses, I don't know, or physical product if you want. That's not something I teach, but some of my students like make journals to go along with their membership or whatever. The platform actually isn't the thing that matters the most. I think memberships are just as cool as courses and all of that, but it is finding something that you're willing to stick with and actually see it through because all of them are hard in the beginning. None of them are incredibly easy when you've never been on your own before. So stick with it as long as you can to just see if this is going to work. I love it. I love it. Now to sell memberships, to sell courses, of course, that means you have to have audience. And yeah. I don't know how you phrase it, but I was talking about the audience you rent in terms of like social media and yep. other people's audiences and, and moving them over to an audience you own, such as email oh, list yes. and text list to the person listening saying, okay, this sounds great. I'm bought in. I'm ready to go. I'm assembling the people that believe in me. Like you've got me right there, but I've got nobody to sell to. Yeah. Talk to me about how they get started building an audience. So this comes up all the time, Amy, like I want to do this, but there's no one that's going to buy from me. And so I say it exactly how you do. I say, listen, social media is great to start. And I think we all should at least choose one social media platform and go all in. But if you only use social media, you are building your business on rented land. And Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg can change that algorithm tomorrow and boom, the way you did business dramatically changes and maybe won't work anymore. So do not build your business on rented land. Instead, use that rented land, but get them on your email list. Your email list is your most important asset in your business. 
Last year, Facebook and Instagram went down for many, many, many hours. It felt like the world had ended for a while. Remember, remember all the that? memes? Oh my God, everyone was panicking. Oh, panicking. Well, it just so happened that that morning I had sent an email to a very small segment of my list talking about a course I've had for years, but reminding these people, because I hadn't bought it yet, that I still have it and here's how to get it. And we made thousands of dollars by the end of that day on a day that social media was dead. That's the power of it. You can always make money with your email list. You cannot always make money with social media. You want to do both. So you you truly need both, right? Because one's going to feed the other. And but yes. the other, like the, the the email list, the text list, those are the ones that you really have true control over. You're not going to be subject to losing your login or somebody hacking you or something like that. I remember Absolutely. people panicking, like they thought their lives and their businesses were gone forever that day. That was crazy. Yes. Scary stuff. Yeah. What about text lists? Are you bullish on those? So I like them. We've done it a lot. I like text lists, but what I'm liking even more is we've been experimenting with DMing people through chat bots, but in a really as most as personal as we can get it. But recently we did this live masterclass and we were able to get people's, get in people's DMs based on how they signed up for the class. And right before we got to DM everybody saying 15 minutes, we're starting, that worked better for us than even texting people. And so I say try both of them, but absolutely texting, DMing, it works. I love that. And and I would almost say, if you can, Go for all three. Because yeah, amen. different roles, right? You know, I know I open my email maybe, maybe once a day. I try to stay out of my email. So if somebody has a cart closing of something I really want to buy, or if a master class is starting, I'm likely gonna miss the timing of that email. Okay. But if they send it in my DMs or if they send it via text, then I'm gonna be like, Oh, that's right. That was gonna be tonight. It's in 15 minutes, and I'll jump on. So they really play very different roles, don't they? Absolutely. I love that you said that. I say go for all of it. And and within reason, don't overwhelm yourself and be like, I got to do all the things. <laughs> but little by little adding them on, I'm all for it. But you make a great point. People use email and texting very different. I like them both. Two weeks notice is I think the best book title I have heard in years. Oh, and I am you. not kidding you. Like it viscerally tells me who it's for. It, yep. It's unmistakable who this book is for tell me the people who who have had the most like the it's obvious who the book is for but what about the people who are like oh is it for me is it yeah. not am i really ready to make that jump why should they buy the book yeah so i wrote this book because i needed this book 14 years ago when i went out on my own i needed help with how i'm going to leave my job with integrity and also how am i going to start this business from scratch i was clueless And so I wrote the book that I wish I had. And here's who it's for. If you are in a job that you know you want more, like for me, I had golden handcuffs. I had a really cool job, but I didn't have freedom. I had hit a glass ceiling. I knew there was only so far I could go. So I wanted something more. This book would have been for me at that time. But there's also people that are in a cubicle or they're in a great corner office with windows and they're looking around like, I don't want my boss's job and I do not like having to be tied here. I want to be home with my family and I want to be calling the shots and doing life the way I want to do it. It's okay to want more. You don't have to hate your job to want to leave, but if you do hate your job, this is your rally call, get two weeks notice. 
It's really for anybody who wants to leave behind what's no longer serving them and step into a totally different world. A lot of people get the book, though, that have already left their nine to five job, but they're not really making the kind of money they want to make. And they think they probably missed some steps on building the solid foundation for an online business. I'm your girl. Let's take a few steps back. Let's lock that in so you can start making some great money and great impact. I guess that's what I was asking in a very clunky way is, you know, the title says, if you're unhappy at your job, this book's going to free you. Yeah. But it's equally as much. So beyond people that. have already taken that step, but it's just not working out either the way they want or as fast as they want. There are steps. I mean, it's literally a step-by-step book yes. on how to go and start all the way over again if you had to and do it the right way this time going forward, is it not? Absolutely. That's exactly who it's for, for sure. What are your hopes that this book does for individuals? 15 years ago when I was in that meeting and I realized, holy cow, there's a whole other world out there that I don't even know about. I hope this book is that. I hope it's their conference room focus group moment that I had for them. Meaning that there's people out there that don't realize, Chris, how good it can get. I'm sure you've had moments with Lori that you look at your life and you're like, how? How is this our life? Like you didn't think it could be this good, right? Daily, daily. Right? about that. Same. So do Hobie and I. And so I want that for more people. This is not just meant for you and me. We're not extra special. We are living an amazing life because we went after something that was really scary. And I want to encourage other people to find the courage to do the same. I really want to reiterate what you just said. Now, I think you are as special as they come. Don't take this. I think you're pretty special, too. But we are not extra special. No. Like, There is nothing different about you or me or Lori or Hobie or anybody that says that we were able to do this and other people can't. Honestly, Lori and I are just a couple of goofy kids from the Midwest that are barely figuring it out and don't even feel like we have it figured out all the time. And I just think it's important for people to know that It doesn't start after you feel anointed. It doesn't start after you feel ready. It doesn't start after you realize there's something special about you. It starts today. It starts immediately by you taking messy action and realizing some of the traits you might have that play into you becoming successful over time. But man, anybody can do this. Yes, anybody can do this. I firmly believe that. And the first step is not looking for confidence, Find the courage. You have it in you. Find the courage. Oh, courage over confidence. I freaking love that. I'm going to do a little something fun. You know, whenever we have somebody who's launching a new book on here, I'll I'll typically surprise them and say, hey, you know, we're going to give away a handful of your books from from me and my team as a thank you for you being on the podcast. And so here's what we're going to do. Oh, literally our pleasure. So here's what we're going to do. The first 40 people that DM both you and I with either a breakthrough or a takeaway from this episode. I will personally send them a book from us and our team, uh, your new book, Two Weeks Notice. I want to make this as accessible as possible for everybody. And selfishly, I love hearing about people's takeaways and breakthroughs. So fun. Yes. Okay. Well, I appreciate you doing that. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to hear from your audience. That's going to be a lot of fun. They're a great audience. They are book buyers and they are a great audience. So I can't wait to see some of the DMs roll in as they they share this episode and tell us their takeaways. Okay, so one last question I want to ask you. Our show's tagline is when good people make good money, they do great things because we Mm -hmm. always focus on the common thread of generosity in people's success stories. What is something great that you've been able to do for yourselves, for other people, 
that you're really proud of now that you've had this path of success? One of my most favorite things is I have a team of about 20 full-time employees. And every year we give each of them a $5,000 and we say, you find the charity that means the most to you. And we let them donate through the business with that money. And it's been so cool because it's some of my employees give to the LGBTQ community. Some of them are obsessed with dogs and give to shelters. Other of them give to children. It's just all over the place. But we've been able to impact so many different lives based on the interest and the desires and passions of my team. So it's something really fun that we do. I freaking love that for so many reasons, especially because they get to choose what's important to them instead of saying, hey, the company is giving X number of dollars. Because they may not be attached to the cause that the company chooses, but how empowering to know that their work creates profit. And out of that profit, you're able to put the money back in their hands to give to causes that they care. You're such a freaking class act. It's unreal. (laughs) Well, thank you, friend. It's been really fun. That is one of the best answers we've ever gotten to that question. Well, listen, Amy, I'm so grateful that you took the time to be on the show. I'm so grateful to finally literally be able to call you a friend and that you're in our lives. And I'm really, really grateful that you took the time to write and launch this book because we both know it's not easy. I know people might think it is, but it is actually one of the toughest things you can do to write a book and then to launch a book. It'd be easier for you to do more courses, but this is going to put your ideas your processes in people's hands where they may not have been quite as accessible before. And and that in itself is an act of generosity. So congrats on on getting this thing out there and, and thank you for, for jumping on. Thank you, friend. This has been so fun, Chris. I'm so glad we did it. And to everybody listening, don't forget the first 40 of you that share this episode and take both Amy and I with your favorite takeaway or your favorite breakthrough, we are going to send you a book personally as well. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Amy, thanks for being on. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success. 